What's up, everyone? On this episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, we have Adam Engel. Adam is ranked as one of the top five defenders in all of Major League Baseball. In this episode, he talks a little about kind of his approach to, to hitting, um, how he became an outfielder in the first place, and how to improve as an, an outfielder from a defensive standpoint, what he's been working on this offseason. He's been working really hard on his swing, making a lot of different changes and uh, adjustments, and he's really excited to get this season going. And he kind of he kind of also gives a little bit of, of what he's like off the field in this episode of well and, and opens up to everyone. So make sure to head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And without further ado, here's Adam Engel. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. I am Patrick Jones former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. I am currently giving hitting and pitching lessons for all ages. If interested, please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and let's get to work. We are now live with Adam Engel, the Chicago White Sox. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going good. How you doing, man? Not too bad, dude. Uh, just got done uh, watching you hit out there. We're up here at Cincy Elite in Mason, Ohio. Um, what kind of changes, or have you been working on any changes mechanically in your swing this offseason? Um, yeah, I started back in October. Well, I guess you could say I started kind of in the season last year, which is um, something that I wouldn't uh, highly recommend. Um but I think my situation was a bit unique. Um, I was, you know, getting some advice from from the hitting guy in, in Chicago, and uh, we were trying to work on some stuff and, and you know, take advantage of the opportunity to, to get some live at-bats while trying to implement some different things. Um, so I've been able to, you know, this offseason really dive into into those adjustments um, a lot more. Um so it's been it's been good having having the opportunity to just you know repeat the same thing over and over again before really having to like ramp up you know the timing aspect of things, which is you know probably the toughest part um that will you know once games start up then that's when you really see if you know your adjustments are working or not so so is it more of like you're changing where your hands are like leg kick like mechan like in terms of like actually breaking down like your mechanics has it been anything like crazy like well Will like fans and like other teammates when they see you again in the spring be like, dude, did a complete overhaul in a swing, or is it going to be just minor changes? Um, I would say a pretty, pretty big change. I would say um, a complete overhaul might be the best way to describe it. Actually, um, so like you were mentioning before, both my hands, you know, my hands are in a different spot. The angle of the bat's different. Um, the pre you know, pitch movements different. And then I'm also adding a leg kick in there. So, um, it seems like a lot, but everything has a purpose. Whereas before I was just kind of doing what felt right. Um, and then now it's like every movement that I do, I kind of understand why I need to do it. So it helps me, you know, to repeat what I'm doing because everything kind of has its own purpose. So, um, it's definitely been a complete overhaul. I've gone from kind of a you know, trying to to get a feel, something that feels good. And now it's like, I know what I'm supposed to do and trying to like kind of link up the feel with making sure it's, you know, on, you know, the same track as to what I know is right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. 
So do you have like your own like personal hitting coach to like help you get through the, get through these mechanics, or is this kind of on your own? Um, so it started with the um, the big league hitting Todd Severson's his name. He's our big league hitting coach in Chicago. So it started with him, and um, I've had you know different guys, different big league guys talk to me um, about different things, and you know anything from approach to mechanics. So it's been really. Uh, a wide range of different people that have been, you know, giving me their input and, you know, trying, trying things out here and there and, you know, what's what I like and what I don't like, or is that something I believe in or don't believe in? Um, so it's been a lot, a lot of different people. Yeah. And then, so obviously you've been focusing on, you know, speed, agility, all that stuff, like everyone else already knows about that. A lot of I mean, all you guys do in the off season, but getting away from baseball a little bit. Um, what's your off season, um, life been like it's been great um my daughter is now seven months old so we yeah we had a we had a baby in june my wife and i had a baby in june um so my wife was teaching and now that we have the baby she she resigned so my life is during the week it's kind of been a little bit crazier more hectic you know as as we get down the stretch here closer to spring training but um it's before that it was it was nice you know i work out before that you have more time right yeah yeah and you know i would work out in the mornings and i'd be done around you know no later than one or two o'clock and i come home to you know my wife and and little girl and um just get to spend the rest of the afternoon and on into the evening with them so it's been a lot of fun the guys that i'm working out with are great you know i'm you know a lot of the guys that i work out with so that group's been great um so my workouts have been a lot more fun this year and um and then obviously going home to my family is, has been great too. Have you always been naturally really fast, or has that been something that you've worked at over time throughout you know past years? Um, I would say both. Um, I was definitely on the you know the the faster end of the spectrum even when I was young, like at a really young age. I think I've always kind of been towards the the higher end of um, you know all my teammates as far as speed goes. And then once I got to college is when I really um, you know, I had the resources at, at school. Louisville has really, really good speed coaches. Um, so I took advantage of that. And um, I think that took me from being, you know, towards the high end to, you know, trying to get into that elite class of baseball players. Obviously, I'm not like an Olympic sprinter or anything like that. But as far as, um, you know, baseball goes, you know, I'm trying to work towards that, you know, that elite class of speed. Um, and that's something that, you know, I was working on it yesterday. You know what I mean? Right. Today was an upper body day for me in the weight room, so I didn't didn't work on it as much today. But yesterday, you know, I'm doing all kinds of sprint work, and um, you know that just never stops. We had a couple kids. Uh, I t- I sent a message out that I was going to be interviewing you, and a couple kids actually want to know what your fastest uh, sixty time is. <laughs> That's a big deal. Kids love the sixty time. That's funny. Yeah, um, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned that the kids really like the the sixty time, and I think it's. Um, something that might, they might put too much value in because a 60 yard sprint in baseball is, you know, we all know, or people that are around the game understand it's not very realistic. Yeah. Unless like the right fielder collapses and you have to run all the way over there. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's not very realistic, but it does, I guess, show you, you know, straight line speed, which again is like in most sports, isn't a real you know, not something that really applies, but I ran a six, I was in like the mid six threes in college. Um, so I actually wasn't the fastest kid on the team. A kid named Coco Johnson ran. I ran like a six. I remember him. Yeah, I was in like six three five, and he was like a six three three or something. On he's like, a big dude, isn't he too? Um, at the time, 
he had been um he really tried to um work on his speed with me like he and i were both um always getting extra speed workouts in so at the time he was really trying to like make sure he kept up with his speed um so yeah he he was a bigger guy he's a little bit shorter than i was but he's just one of those like real natural runners like he just kind of floated he's a lot like jacob i would say yeah um jacob may so um but i will say you know my own pride getting in the way here but i felt like i beat him in the race Mm -hmm. but then the hand times come out and they (laughs) they claim that um his time was faster so you can you know make your own decision on that one right and then since you're so fast i mean is bunting a big part of it drag bunting i know you know these days with all the hitting online and everything you know they want you putting the ball in the air but for my drag bunting bunting for a hit is that something that you try to take advantage of yeah i think um there's two aspects to that um, as you get to, you know, the, to the, the older ages, I guess, for the, you know, the younger audiences out there, um, I think you, you have to kind of understand what all the, the, the bunt can do for you as a, as a player, um, or as an offensive player, I guess. Um, my college coach, he said that, you know, he would make this comment with, with base stealing as well. He's like the, the bunt or, or the stolen base are, are a threat. So obviously, you know, putting a bunt down and getting hit or stealing second base and, and advancing a base is, is pretty, um, valuable. He's like, what's just as valuable is the threat of that. So you have to be able to prove that you can do it. So for bunting, you know, you bring the third baseman closer to you as a hitter, um, so he can defend the bunt and, and what happens then is he you know he's sacrificing some of his range on a swinging you know a, a ball that you would swing and put in play um same thing with stealing um the threat of the steal you know you, you got the pitcher who might be working a little bit quicker than he wants to or his his focus might be on you and and, and less on the hitter and maybe he doesn't make as good of a pitch so um in both of those situations you know just because you're not bunting all the time, you know, if the third baseman is up in your face or he's, he's cheating in a lot, it's, it's not wise to bunt there just because, right. you know, you're good at bunting or you're fast or, you know, a combination of the two. Um, but you do at the same time, if the third baseman's playing back on you, you know, that's a, that's a situation where you can take advantage of it. So there's an advantage both ways to bunting or not bunting. But, um, once you can prove that you can bunt, um, the angle game that you get with the third baseman and all that, you get to kind of play around with that. And, um, definitely something I would recommend to, you don't have to be really fast to do it. You just have to have a, you know, a little bit of speed. Okay. Um, dude, I, I, I put out a thing on, um, again, on social media that I was going to be interviewing you. A lot of, a lot of heavy White Sox fans out there, a lot of very, uh, diehearted fans, um, a lot of people commenting about how awesome your defense was last year and some of the some of the plays that you made. And I remember watching you um, back at Louisville because I don't think we even really played against each other, even though we're from both from Cincinnati. Um, I remember watching you play at Louisville and you made some crazy catches even there. Has that been something that like growing up, were you working on it? Because I feel like you've been doing it now for several years. Yeah, actually, growing up, I was an infielder, so I oh, was okay. yeah, so I played shortstop. Um, most of the time there's, you know, there were some teams where, um, I was playing with like a Devin Marrero who, who was playing short over me. Um, so, you know, in those situations, I might have moved to second or third. Um, but most of the time I was playing shortstop growing up and then I got to college and, um, I, I was coming off of, uh, labrum repair in my sh- throwing shoulder. 
and I was trying to win a job as a freshman and I was still rehabbing and the coaches were kind of, you know, iffy about, um, allowing me to even really compete for that job. Um, not knowing if I was going to actually be able to throw in the spring or not. And, um, so, you know, the, um, fall semester came to a close and I'm getting ready to go home for break. And, um, they told me like, Hey, you can either, you know, back up second base. Um, cause we had Ryan Wright at the time was an all American the I year before. You. Yeah. And he was a really, really great player in college and even into pro ball. Um, they're like, you can either back him up or you can try and learn how to play center field. Cause we, we have a, um, a, you know, a job out in center field that could be won from a freshman. He's like, and with your speed, you know, it could make a lot of sense if you want to try it and just see how it goes. And that was when I made the transition for the first time was like January of my freshman year in college. And, um, it was, um, it sounds like it would be hard, you know, but really it's one of those things where you don't have any habits yet. So you, you, you go from the very beginning and, and you learn how to play the outfield the right way from the beginning. You don't have to kind of like reteach yourself anything. So it's kind of like a clean, clean palette. So, um, so that was kind of how that went. Um, and ever since then, you know, I had to put a ton of work into it to, to try and compete for a job. And I think that that just kind of like carried over. You know, like yeah. the, the work that I was putting in early, I found that it, it helped me out a lot. So I was like, I'm not going to stop doing this, you know? So, um, it's definitely working in the outfield has always been something that, you know, I I've done and will continue to do throughout my career just to make sure, you know, I'm polished in in every area and, you know, double checking to make sure if there's one, you know, one area that I'm not doing as well as I'd like to on, I can really work on it in batting practice or pregame. Or. I mean, dude, you're like, I was looking at the metrics. I mean, you're like top five in all, all the big, for every outfielder in the big leagues. I don't know if you saw that or not. Um, for like for defensively. Yeah. I've, you know, I've heard stats like that and that's, you know, that's, that's awesome. It's, it's great to, to be on a list like that. Um, but it doesn't change, you know, it doesn't change yeah. anything, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure don't get me wrong as far as, you know, the value comes with, with being a player, like obviously that adds value. And so to say it doesn't change anything, I guess, isn't accurate, but as far as my approach and, and what I do, um, to prepare myself, it doesn't change anything. Right. So, okay. And then, so a lot of kids also wanted to know since they, you've, you've robbed a lot of home runs, <laughs> what's the secret to robbing a home run? Is it, is it is it is it like starting out deep already so you're already closer to the wall or i don't know i played out for my whole life man and i've i don't know if i think i've ever robbed the home run <laughs> um well i mean or is it just a mindset like no matter what i'm going to get this ball it's i mean it's a i think it's a combination you know um first things first is you have to practice you know and, and practicing is something that you definitely do close to the wall okay. you don't you know, when you, when you practice it, like say you have an outfield coach, that's going to help you work the wall is kind of the, the uh, verbiage that a lot of people will say, you got to learn how to work the wall and, um, making sure you practice it is definitely, um, an advantage to you. If you, if you're looking to rob home runs, I, I don't get me wrong. Like there's definitely value in robbing homers, but if you want to be a really good outfielder and play at a really high level, um, that's probably the last thing. Uh, as far as priorities goes that you should, um, you know, practice. I think there are so many other things that you need to master or really work at that will put you in a position where you can rob a homer, I guess. is Yeah, that makes sense. Everyone know. sees the highlights of you robbing, but they don't right. see the everyday plays of that makes sense. Um, if you weren't a baseball player, what would you want to be? What would the occupation be? 
Um, I at a when I was in high school, I I kind of flirted with the idea of trying to play football. I was actually my mindset was let's play football, and then if that doesn't work out, I'll play baseball. And then the recruiting was just very slow for me um, in high school, so I was kind of like getting towards the the end of high school, and I was like, man, I gotta you know, <laughs> you know, I got to figure, figure this out. I can't, you know, I would like to get a scholarship and I had been offered by Louisville at the time. Um, so I was like, man, I think I'm going to play baseball now. So to answer your question, I would probably do that. I would, would at least give it a, a go, you know, at least yeah. try. If it wasn't for baseball, I would have tried that. Um, and then, you know, outside of the sports world, I, I have no idea. Just figure it out. Yeah. I just, I would just go to school and, with something you know felt like i could really passionately pursue it then that's what i would do but to be honest with you i haven't um thought about it a whole whole lot which i wouldn't recommend that either you know what i mean (laughs) you want a backup plan right yeah backup uh, plans are are big are you a religious person i am yes um how long have you been are, are you have you always been someone who's like gone to church every sunday like growing up and like everything like that um Reason I'm one of the reasons why I'm starting at you know I'm kind of getting into this. I feel I want to see if it's like can is like attributed to like the mental game as well. Like, yeah, you're not worrying about you know everything else. So that's why I kind of brought up um, you know religion and how you know if that applies at all to putting baseball in perspective. Yeah, um, great question. Um, I would say um, it, faith. My faith is always kind of been part of growing up it wasn't it was by no means the forefront of my um i don't know approach to life or outlook on life um and then once i got into college i think it was kind of when i went from you know saying yeah i know you know i i believe in jesus and and everything that jesus says so you know before that point um I was kind of like, yeah, I know there, I know who Jesus is, you know? And then I get to get to college and I was like, you know, there's way more to it than that. And, um, that's when I kind of started my, my spiritual journey with, you know, a little bit more gusto or a little bit more, um, you know, drive to, to really, you know, pursue my faith. And, um, to answer the second part of your question, as far as how does that help me with baseball? Um, you know, I, I would say that it applies to, to more than just baseball or life or anything. I, baseball is just, um, you know, what I do now. It's There's a lot of adversity, not just in baseball, but every, you know, every aspect right. of life. You know, that's that I'm not, you know, shocking anybody by saying that. Um, but with my faith, I know that, um, you know, I, I don't know the best way to describe this, but essentially that he's in control, you know, and, that, and that's, again, that's what I believe in. And I know that. I'm going to give it all I got. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not in my hands. And that, that brings a piece that, um, you know, I look around the clubhouse a lot and a lot of guys that don't have that, that faith background or that spiritual presence in their life. And, um, you know, I, I'm like, I don't know how these guys do it. You know, for me, I'm like, if it wasn't for my, you know, my spiritual beliefs, like, this game would drive me up the wall and I would have been out of it. I would have phased out because it is such a tough game. And I know that there's other jobs out there that are like that. And there's life, you know, life, you know, situations that are like that. And, um, 
for me, that's, you know, that's where I put my hope in. It puts it in perspective for you. Oh, exactly. exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, just wanted to, I just, I was just, I'm just curious, you know, some guys, you know, are open to talking about it. Uh, some aren't. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where, where, you know, what I believe in kind of now, kind of the same thing with you when you got to college where, yeah, you know, it's there, but, you know, diving into it, I'm kind of at that stage now, even after college, um, Spring training's coming up, mm-hmm. right? You're getting ready to leave pretty soon. Are you someone who is excited, maybe excited and nervous for spring training? Um, what what are your what's your mindset like going into spring training? Um, so I'm first of all very excited. Um, you know, like we had talked about before, there's all kinds of changes that are going on, like from a mechanical standpoint, and um, so I'm excited to to get out there and, and show you know, improve that what I'm doing is working. Um, and then as far as nervous goes to kind of hit on like the last topic that we just talked about, you know, from a spiritual stance, like, um, it's, it'll creep in, you know what I mean? Getting nervous is natural and, um, that'll creep in. And that's the last thing you want as a, as a player get, you know, going to go try and, you know, establish yourself in the big leagues is, is being nervous about it. Um, and that's, again, that's kind of where my faith um, really takes over and I'm like baseball I love I love the game I love so much about the game um, but I feel like it, if you know it's taken from me then it's for a good reason and, you'll be okay you'll right and, and whatever comes next would be better you know that's that's truly what I believe and if something gets taken away you know the God isn't isn't doing that to punish me or you know as as a consequence as much as he's trying to say hey I got something better in mind for you so just trust me in this and um you know we'll get through it so that's the kind of mindset that I have um you know I can't think of a lot of jobs better than baseball yeah you know what I mean so again it would it would be something that would be you know tough for me um if baseball did come to an end I'm not saying that that's that's on my mind but just you know for the topic of conversation that's you know I, I try not to to worry you know about it and dude it's t- i mean the job security and what i think what the average fan doesn't realize they they assume every single major league player is a millionaire and that they have job security and that it's going to be like that forever and the reality of it is you see guys who even have contracts get sent down get released yet i mean it's just it's cutthroat right you yeah. know what i mean um Typical day like in spring training for you as an as an outfielder is that you're getting up early. I know different organizations are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually heard of some who are prioritizing sleep a little bit more. Really, what organization that was? Was it Tampa? It might have been Tampa where it only starts till 10 a.m. Now, wow. Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm don't quote me on Tampa, but I'm pretty sure it's them. What are what What's the White Sox like? Um. They, I'm not saying they don't prioritize sleep. No, no, I wasn't you know? saying that. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but they're definitely not onto that, um, you know, I guess. I think Tampa's the only one, like, Are the they? very first one. I just read it the other day. I thought it was kind of. Interesting, yeah. yeah I mean, nobody yeah. else is doing it, so. Right, yeah. No, I've heard some pretty cool things about, um, especially for younger guys. You know, spring training is a, is a time where you get a lot of really young guys. And I have read that some of the research states you know, letting younger people sleep in more is definitely, um, beneficial for development. Now, when that, when the cutoff for that age is, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm a baseball player, so I'll, you know, I'll I'll stay in that (laughs) realm. Um, but no, that's interesting. No, but so for us, we, um, I think we start around like, like our meetings are 
like our meeting to start the day is like eight thirty or nine o'clock. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. So mo- what happens is most guys will get there. So for me personally, um, and there's a handful of guys that'll get there about the same time. Um, the most ridiculous is uh, Abreu. He will get there in like, um, I've gotten there at the same time as him sometimes, like here and there, like just at an off chance. But that guy gets to the field really early because he likes to do everything kind of not on his own, but kind of like uninterrupted. Like he does, he wants to make sure that his schedule is like not going to be messed up. And the only way to do that is to give yourself plenty of time. You know what I mean? Like if something comes up, like a reporter's like, Hey, can I grab you? You know, Jose makes sure if that comes up, he still has time for everything else. He's not going to miss out on anything. Um, But yeah, I'll normally get there around. I want to say like six thirty, six to six thirty in that, in that air, you know, time frame. And um, he's already there by then. Yeah, he, I, if I had to guess, he probably gets there a little before six every day. Wow. Um, and so you get there, and um, for me, I I try and get a really really big breakfast in, um, and then I kind of come back and, um, you know, let that settle and or on days that I lift, I'll get like a really small breakfast in like, you know, a banana and some like trail mix and then I'll go work out and then I'll come back and get a really big breakfast after that. But either way, um, you know, you're outside a lot, you know, not a whole lot, but like you, you definitely need the energy and a small breakfast for me personally. I know everybody's a little bit different, but is huge to, to the start of my day. So I crush a big breakfast and then, um, you know, if I've already done my workout, then from there I'll kind of, you know, go back and, and hang out the, the team, my teammates for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and just say what's up to the guys that are, um, getting dressed or, you know, going about their business. And that's kind of like a, a, a time to, um, talk to guys that you don't only get to talk to and kind of build that like camaraderie. And then, um, from there, go, go hit, go hit in the cage for a while. Um, and you know, maybe watch some video or whatever the case may be. And just kind of make sure all your ducks are in a row before the meeting. Cause once the meeting happens, um, the day is scheduled out from there and you don't have time to do anything on your own from there. It's all team activities from there. So if you want to get something done, you know, you want to get in the hot tub or, you know, take a contrast bath or get some arm care work in or get stretched or whatever the case may be that you as a player like to do, you got to get it done before the meeting. Um, or you could do it afterwards, which is like kind of frowned upon. Not, you know, it's not like bad to do, but, um, again, you, most of the time people like to get their work in beforehand. And then some guys are like, ah, I, I refuse to lift before I start my day because, you know, my body gets tired and what matters more is what my, you know, my production on the field. So, um, they'll wait until after, after the working day to, to lift. Um, so I, I personally like to lift before. So I and just then like you guys to do are doing you're hitting throughout or wait so like after that meeting yeah is it out to drills and everything yeah and then that's when the day like really technically starts from like a baseball activity standpoint so then you go uh, after that you go out onto the field stretch throw um, and then uh, then you go into like individual defense they call it so I'll go out with the outfielders and we'll do drills for fifteen to twenty minutes and then we'll come in and do a t- team defense um, typically. And then, so that would be like fly ball communication or like relays or base running. And then after that, um, depending on where we're at in the schedule. So like early on from there, like then the pitchers will kind of get going and we'll face like live pitching, um, or we'll just stand in or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, then after that we'll take batting practice and then we go eat lunch 
and then after that, after launches, you know, towards actually we games start pretty quick this year. It's like five days in. Or That's something what like I've that. heard. Yeah, yeah. And so, so then after launch, you go play a game. Okay, so yeah, I was going to ask, you know, what if you weren't playing a game, but now this year it's pretty much as soon as you get there, you're starting to play games. Right. Yeah, it's pretty quick. And then how do you know or like? You'll be in major league camp for like minor leaguers. Do they like post like minor league camp like where you're going to be like double A, high mm-hmm. A, low A, yeah. like at the end of camp or is that throughout throughout camp? So what they do throughout camp, like so day one you'll walk in and they'll have what they call working groups, right? And so that's the group you'll go work with, and that like what I just described to you, the baseball activities um, in minor league camp. That's your working day. So you'll have just the four groups, so just triple A, double A. Um, high A and low A. And so that is the working group. And then that will change throughout camp. So cuts get made and the numbers get down. And, you know, there's a a trickle down effect from big league camp and all those things kind of influence the working groups and what those look like. Um, And then like the last week, if you're lucky, very rarely, like the start of the last week of of camp, will you know what team you're going to report to? You know, they'll sometimes, most of the time, they'll post like the final teams like a day before you leave or two days before you leave. So you're like, it's a scramble. You know, it's a, it's a tough business from them because they, they have to evaluate so many players. There's so many players there. And then as players were like, you know, well, we need to know what city to look for housing in. And, you know, we need to set things up from that standpoint. So it's kind of like this, you know. They don't take care of any of the housing stuff for you? Um, so what they'll do is they, they kind of have connections or, you know, that they'll um, they'll say, you know, if you're heading to Kannapolis, which is our low A, these are three different complexes that we, you know, we work with and they're they're pretty flexible with and they understand, you know, the nature of the job and all of that. So, but no, they don't. Like they're not going to set anything up for you. They're just going to kind of say, "Hey, here's a number to call." Okay, I got gotcha. you. What? So you got caught up to the to the big leagues last year. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a situation where when you received the news, was it your manager calling you in the office, or how that? How'd you get the call? So I was actually um, in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, and because um, the White Sox had a rain delay in Chicago, I think it was in Chicago. Pretty sure it was in Chicago, and. Um, so they had a rain delay and a guy had gotten hurt that game and they were kind of waiting on some results and they had to wait until after the game anyways to make a move. So it was pretty late. So I got a call, a phone call from um, my manager in AAA and was like, hey, um, so-and-so hurt his hand. You know, he's on the, I think, what is it, the 10-day? 10-day. Yeah, they put him on the 10-day DL. Um you know, you could be up there a day because they had a doubleheader the next day because the game, I think, I guess it got rained out or maybe we're playing a makeup or something. I'm not sure exactly what the situation was, but we were playing a doubleheader and the rosters expand from 25 to 26 on doubleheader days. So um, he's like, I don't know if you're up there for a day. I don't know if you're up there for 10 days. I don't know if you're going to be up there for 10 years. He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> so bring everything and just in case. So um, that's at like, you know, 12, 12 in the morning. And, um, it's just a rat race from there, man. Yeah, I bet that feeling was just incredible. <laughs> yeah, it it was very surreal. It's like getting called up in the minor leagues. You're like, you know, nice. This is awesome. You know, one step closer to the to the dream and, and to what the goal is, and um, feels good. And then getting a call to the big leagues, you're kind of like, wow, this is surreal. It happened, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I've been working for this for, you know, ever since I was a boy. You know, I want to. I wanted to get this phone call, and then you get it. And you're kind of like, I can't believe that just happened. 
Yeah. So, are you surprised by anything that you saw in the big leagues? I know, like Hunter Pence was like the greatest thing about being in the big leagues is like all the great snacks and the, yeah. the clubhouse. Yeah. Is, is there anything particular that you loved uh, about being in the big leagues? Not necessarily from a baseball standpoint. Um, I would say probably the coolest thing was um, the travel, the planes. You get to, you know, they, they charter a flight for the team and everybody that's working for the team. And all the flights are like, they have like meals that they're coming with onto the plane. Like, I think my first flight, they had like um, catered Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And I'm oh. like, you know, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and then they like come around with like a dessert basket with like candy and um like gummy bears or they'll have like key lime pie or like, and you're just like sitting there as a player, like looking around, like pinching yourself. Like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, again, man, really appreciate it. You stopped by today. I know you had, you know, socks fest and had, a, did a bunch of interviews and things like that. So I really appreciate it. And I'm going to try and hopefully make it out to spring training at some point. Actually, um, I was a beer vendor. This is very random. I was a beer vendor for the Arizona Cardinals really? last year. And I was living with my brother out there. I was just trying to make some money. Just playing in men's leagues, you know, trying to stay ready for indie ball. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, they we had to park at your guys' facility. Oh, okay. And they would have all the school buses come over, uh, yeah. pick us up, go to this. So I was over there every Sunday. Wow. I'm pretty familiar with it. Yeah, you know, you're riding the school bus over the stadium, like getting ready for the game. And right. You're a vendor. But it was it was pretty cool, man. That's so funny. again, I'll, I'll make sure to put your link up and um, so everyone can make sure to follow you this year. And and best of luck to you, man. I really, like I said, really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, man, it's been great, great, uh, great interview and great questions, man. So I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem.